I'm gonna get Uncle Junior for this. Don't worry. I watched since I was little how nice you were to him. And he doesn't just get to do this to you. I'll put you in here and get away with it. You're my dad. And I'm gonna put a bullet in his fucking mommy head. I promise. Welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 67 episodes of The Sopranos, including Season 6, Episode 2, Join the Club. That's some powerful shit there, AJ. But who wrote those words, and who put them on the small silver screen? Uh, This episode is written by the series creator, David Chase, and was directed by David Nutter. This is the only episode that David Nutter directed. You may recognize his name as a Game of Thrones guy. Uh, I guess he's I did recognize his name, and I thought it was from here, but no. Oh, David, now I know where I know you from. Uh, yes, he also directed uh, episodes of Shameless, Entourage, Arrow. I mean, he's a TV guy through and through. And if you want to see some of the life and times of David Nutter, you can uh, watch, uh, what's it called? The documentary, The Game of the Last Watch, is that it? Yeah, I believe um, so, yep. That was quite good about the Game of Thrones. You get to see a lot of his directing process. He tends to use a lot of paper, write things down, block things out. He has a re- really interesting way of walking, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is about Join the Club. Uh, it's uh, a really good episode, obviously. You know I don't love dream sequences, but yes. this is different. Okay, I this was like the main question I had is... Were you going to read this more as a dream episode? Because I, I was going to say the same. I was ready for you to be yeah. like, oh, my God, here we go. <laughs> dream episodes. Yeah. And I was ready to be like, well, not quite. Yeah, kind of. But so but you came out on the positive side of things. Yeah. For the sake of just arguing and creating conflict within our podcast, as they do on the show, The Sopranos, I could take that stance, but I don't feel mm-hmm. that stance not watching this. If it had been the whole episode and we don't see anything of reality, you can bet your bottom dollar that's exactly what I would be doing. Uh, but it's not. And I'd, I'd say this is a better mix for me of reality and not reality. And it's not the same because he's also sort of st- struggling to... Like, seriously, though, that ep- that dream episode, it, he was just asleep in a hotel. Like, I know there was other <laughs> stuff going on, but here it's like, it's, it isn't the same. I don't feel it's the same. And I did come out positive, and I wasn't surprised to learn that it was David Chase who wrote this one, um, because all the dream or coma stuff is, uh, it's got that certain feel to it that makes it beyond just, oh, here's some random shit. And I do think... Uh, Usually, uh, The Sopranos is beyond that anyway. On average, it has some pretty good stuff in the dream sequences. But here in particular, there's uh, there's layers of meaning to it that isn't just, what a random cra- crazy thing in my dream, because he's also struggling to come back to life. And it is, it's he is between life and death, which adds something to it as well. And it adds something, I think, to the title of Join the Club as well. <laughs> Yes, yeah, well, because, uh, yeah, I was going to say the same thing, because it, unlike the previous extended dream sequence that we saw, uh, he doesn't rely on that, like, yeah, random shit that can happen, because you can just explain it away, like, oh, it's a dream, like, when someone does a weird thing, and 
or uh, what when Tony's fucking Charmaine and Artie's like, yeah, give it to her kid, like stuff like, which is I still think is kind of fun and you you have something to say, but this is more. You know, this is a grounded situation with obviously a lot of, uh, you know, symbolism and things going on. But uh, still, you know, it still could just be a guy who runs into this situation. Yeah. Um, So I I came out feeling like they did a great job opening the season, the final season with these two episodes. And I don't know how The Sopranos ends, uh, but I feel like for a show that's so heavily invested in like dying and fear of dying and his, you know, obsession with dying just in general, it's a great way to set the tone for the final season and to then possibly circle around to those themes uh, in another way towards the end of the season. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do you think about Kevin Finnerty? Oh, uh, I think it was, an interesting thing to I, I i think it made perfect sense i read uh and i mean i heard he's not using the same voice sort of for this uh for this character uh, uh gandolfini because he's he is someone else he's that's basically the i mean it's the obvious interpretation it's the alternative path that he could have headed on it's yeah. the it's the christopher seeing some guy at the gas station getting in his car with his family it's the normal life it's the what could have been and which you know is more maybe traditionally part of an american dream or whatever and it's interesting that he as well has won all these awards for being a salesperson but he's there going what's the point of this meanwhile in real life tony's like advanced and become a mob <laughs> boss and he's still like what's the point of this <laughs> so uh, that's the obvious read on it what do you think of him yeah, no, no, I'm in agreement, and I like the, um, it is, I mean, at least from what they say, it's his real accent or, like, kind of his real voice, and you kind of, yeah. but, like, I never think of it that way, because to me, like, Tony S- Soprano is James Gandolfini, and I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. he doesn't always talk that way, <laughs> and for whatever yeah. reason, uh, ever since we watched that episode, uh, you know, a few episodes back, the one when he goes in on Janice at the dinner table, uh, mm-hmm. I'll randomly be walking around in my life or in my house and I'll go, do you remember that song? Uh, Harpo song. Cause he, <laughs> he just says it really weird. And it's like his accents really, his, his mob accents really coming through. And I'll just yeah. randomly say to people, do you remember that song? Harpo song. Uh, so yeah, hearing the Kevin Finnerty, like, I guess he's, he's the Metagon. Do you remember the Metagon? Like the, is that the Happy Wanderer? The Metagon is the Wonder Bread Wop, like the, oh. you know, the white guy, like, uh, I guess what, uh, Cusimano, because it was in that Cusimano episode when he's hanging out with kind of the Italian guys that were just like lawyers and whatever. Right. They're the ones that don't like take pride, full, like, I guess, authentic pride in their Italian ancestry and they don't like like food as much or whatever, you know, it's just that thing of like, you're not real Italian. But yeah, this is, you know, Tony as the Metagon, uh, Kevin Finnerty. And I love that, like, the the Kevin Finnerty uh, ID is, it it is a guy that kind of looks like him. Uh, so it's just even more perfect that it's, you know, cause, cause obviously the running theme is like, who am I? And, uh, y- you know, why am I here? And that's dealing with life and death. I-, I think it's all great stuff. It was really bizarre 
watching like when the show was on like just week to week like i think we mentioned or maybe i said it to you off air that last week's episode when it aired originally on hbo didn't have a you know next time on the sopranos because they wanted to keep everyone in suspense yeah so of course there's definitely an outcry of like where's the mob (laughs) where's the mafia (laughs) stuff uh which i'm sure david chase loves yeah, and speaking of when this aired, this is ba- this is not really related to the content of the episode, but you mentioned last time that this was recorded, or sorry, that this was uh, broadcast there in 2006, and that didn't really sink in until, like, now when I started thinking about, like, the first episode of The Sopranos was in 1999 is when it first aired, like, early 99, and... It sort of hurt my brain a bit to think about like this shouldn't be a revelation like because tv shows will often run for many years they have to to make all the seasons jacob like i should know this um but just the fact that it started in what feels so solidly like one era and spanned over into another it's it's really weird when you think about and this is like a really dumb thought but when you think about the final episode of the sopranos it aired six months before the first episode of Breaking Bad. Like, yeah. to me, that hurts my brain. As someone who hasn't watched uh, The Sopranos ever, I always thought of it as this really old thing. And, of course, uh, Breaking Bad started more than 10 years ago now. So, <laughs> like, it's not like a revelation or anything. But just the time scale and the, the jump from uh, 2004 to 2006 here from these two seasons, it really puts into perspective how, you know, uh, how how much this show spans in terms of, uh, I don't know, our society and television culture. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, like, cause it, it, you do think of it as like, Oh, that old show. And I mean, it is, I mean, Breaking Bad's an old show at this point too, but yeah, th- with it being as close to shows as you think of more modern, because it does, I mean, Sopranos was 20 years ago, uh but yes it 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 you know it crept along because they took long breaks that's how that's the hbo way they set the tone yeah. for other shows to come <laughs> so true um so the episode opens and we're in the coma state and i did think for a while that maybe this would be the whole episode but it was really nice when we moved out of that and got to see some of the some of the ways that the real world impacted the uh, coma state, see the helicopters and the doctor's lights and, and all of that. That was pretty cool. And it put me in mind of Scrubs. And then I read, this is filmed in the same place that they filmed Scrubs, so the hospital sequences. And I was like, that's why. That's why I'm thinking of Scrubs all this time. Or maybe it's because it's the only medical show I've seen. And I'm watching this like, wow, so medical. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we start out, Tony wakes up in bed uh, and then he's at a bar He's in Costa Mesa, and like immediately you're hit with, he sees this shining beacon of light in the distance, and then when he's in the bar, he sees a forest fire kind of, I guess I assume, in the other direction. So it really does harken back to that other episode when he wakes up in the motel after his Mm -hmm. dream, like his his kind of creepy dream with his, uh, he was like in a field, and then he walks up to like a farmhouse, and we see like Olivia standing in there, and... He's like afraid to go yeah. in and then he like he wakes up in the hotel room and I was kind of my read on it because he goes in the, the bathroom and it's all red and then he goes outside and he's like he's in Florida I think at the time. So yeah. you know again more like purgatory stuff and again this is kind of playing off that as well. Uh, it is weird to think 
uh, like speaking of like of the time, this is around what I think the show Lost was in season three or something at this point. Uh, you know, speaking of purgatory or whatever, whatever your opinion is on Lost, but you know, yeah. it is weird to just think of like the the landscape because we like to th- we like to feel that peak TV is like a new thing, but we've been having peak TV for like twenty something years at this point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, the lighthouse that he spots in the distance, which is what I assume it is, um, it's really ominous at the same time. Like it, this first scene, when he wakes up, I mean, it's a hotel room, just like the previous uh, long dream sequence. But like having him see the the lighthouse carries that. I don't know. There's something about there's something about that shot and something about that uh, choice of a motif for it. I mean, the one read, like you said, would be the wildfire is the is hell, and that's uh, you know heaven or whatever. It seems likely. There's actually a shot when he's on the phone. Uh, I think he's calling home, and I didn't notice it first time around. But re- rechecking it, it's like he has a TV with the fire in one corner in the background, and you can see the lighthouse through the window in the other one. So he has them on either shoulder, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so they're on either side there. That's probably what it is. But just the, the the honestly, the fire didn't stick out to me the first time. I was just thinking of that lighthouse because it had. I don't know something well, about that feeling of waking up and seeing that is like whoa. Yeah, because I, I, I do agree that even though it still has like a foreboding feel to it, and uh, and especially yeah. kind of when, um, I mean, we'll get to it, but like when we see it again at the end. Yeah. Like, yeah, because I, I mean, obviously, if, if, if you're a believer of heaven and hell, you'd want to go to heaven, but there's still like, but I don't want to die, <laughs> you know, who knows? Or, or, you know, especially in Tony's case, uh, am I worthy or would I be allowed? What, what would be my judgment? But yeah, you know, there's a lot of like on the nose stuff, but it still works of like people saying things like, Hey, it's a new world. And when Tony keeps talking about how my whole life was in that case, when he loses his yeah. suitcase and a lot of people saying stuff like, um, who are you? Who am I? Like, it's still great stuff. It feels like it is almost too on the nose, but to me it completely works. Yeah. And it's this could be the plot of a film of a traveling salesman who loses his bag, and it could all be about like him being in in hell, or maybe not. Like this, a I mean, hopefully this won't stretch into more of the season. If I'm being honest, hopefully we don't get to see even more of this traveling salesman. But um, but I can see how like there could be a two-hour film that is just this bit of like but i lost my suitcase and like every line has this deeper meaning and you're supposed to think is this heaven or hell it's so deep all these metaphors but then here it actually i like it better because of the concrete nature of like he's actually almost dead if that makes sense even though it's all metaphor it's at least connected to this actual thing that's happening in real life well and also kind of harkens to uh the show life on mars i mean i'm sure other things have done this before it's not the like the the most original thing but uh like putting it more in context uh the the original british uh life on mars well the real one let's not talk about the american one well we can't talk about the american one because michael imperioli who plays christopher is on that show uh, but the British one did air January 9th, 2006. So it was just a little bit earlier that year. And they do a lot of similar things where, whether it be like the helicopter lights and the things like he'll hear, you know, the hospital machine sometimes, uh, cause they're playing off kind of a similar thing of a guy in a coma that, 
or is he in a coma or is he in 1973 is he a police detective so there you go yeah, yeah. um so let's see he wakes up and like we said he he's it's only when he tries to check into this conference and he's not allowed in which you know we could sit here all day and say like that's saint peter at the pearly gates <laughs> stopping him because he doesn't know who he is and so life's in that suitcase. We could we could do that all day, Jim. But let's let's uh, you get it. Well, Everyone gets it. I mean, the bar. T- what does he say at the bar? Oh, around here, it's dead. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. So he tries to go back and check into the hotel, but he can't because he lost his wallet. And then yeah, he goes back to ask at the bar. Uh, gets invited to sit and drink with uh, these other people. There's a hot woman. He does. They're all impressed by the salesmanship. Uh, all of this is like 10, 15, uh, yeah, it's about 10 minutes of uh, uh, before he's out kissing this woman and then he sees the lights and then we get to see some of reality. So I can un- understand someone watching this uh, on TV going, where's the mob stuff when this is 10 <laughs> minutes in? I can get that, but I didn't feel that. Um, but it was nice to get some follow-up on what happened last episode and especially to see like this is this is not like um because it is a television show even though it's hbo uh, so you start feeling like oh he got shot but like you know he'll brush that off his shoulder it happens in tv all the time uh but it, the show makes it very clear that no it's not that and they do a good job of portraying like there is actual real danger here he could definitely definitely die and all these different doctors and just the state of carmilla as we get to see that it's all good stuff well you realize like when you see a show or something try to do like a hospital situation in a more realistic way you realize why they don't do that that much because it's really depressing. Uh, And it does feel really real. And I guess it's cynical, but you know, it is just a guy working at his job. So to him, it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, who's in here. Oh, all right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, And it's not this like hero that you see on ER. I mean, I'm sure those people exist somewhere. uh, But you know, when you see it's more of a, not really a disdain, but I guess just uh, kind of like, eh, whatever. We, you know, we're going to help him. And plus just the reality of like when he has his open, his open wound and it's like, oh, yeah, people don't just get up like, ah, I, I got a flesh wound in the gut, but I'm going to go and fight the bad guy. Uh, yeah. You know, it, 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 it's 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 way scarier. Uh, we do have to call, I do have to call it real quick, though. It does say on the TV when he's in the hotel uh, bar, are sin, disease and death real? Yeah. yeah, what do you think, Jacob? Are they? I don't know what to make of that. That was a bit <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we also have to call out. So what uh, they get started on the other story thread quite quickly, which is about AJ. Where when we get back to reality, we see Carmilla and Meadow in there, but AJ's not in there. And so when they get ushered out, he's sort of arriving and Carmilla's like, you're just getting back now? And he gets sort of a glimpse, uh, but then the curtain's pulled. So he's, you know, we're establishing this thread that that comes to a head with the clip from the intro there, which has possibly, I mean, uh, you, you flip, uh, you know, what do they say? Every time a Targaryen's born, you flip a coin. Every time a child actor is hired, you flip a coin. Like, are they going to be great? Are they going to be... AJ like but this is not bad it's we we can't say this is bad right 
what with with uh the way aj is acting or what do you mean is bad i i mean not i mean the actual actor playing the role we've often oh yes yes no i think i think he does really great in this episode yeah i know yeah there's a there's a common thing i've seen in like internet sopranos groups that I mean, I guess maybe next to Noah Tenenbaum, uh, AJ is one of the most hated, uh, <laughs> which are right. two like really weird characters to hate like the most. Because Noah Tenenbaum, that's Meadow's black boyfriend. Uh, right. Yeah, that is weird. And then uh, AJ, you know, because he's just AJ. But I think people don't want to admit that AJ is Tony. Uh, yeah. And especially like, I mean, Tony obviously maybe had to toughen up a little sooner because AJ's obviously had grown up with more, but for the most part, I picture when Tony was young, he was AJ. He was like kind of a dumb, scared kid. And then I guess mm-hmm. through his environment, he had to turn into Tony Soprano, but that's why he's, you know, has anxiety and depression because inside he's still that kid. And yeah, like, AJ, the actor, I mean, he was cast on this show, uh, you know, at this point, almost 10 years beforehand. Uh, he was a little kid. You look at him in season one, uh, and now he is like a grown man. But I feel like he really comes through in this episode. And a, lo- a lot of the times you're supposed to be annoyed by him because that's yeah. the storylines they're playing with. But I, th- I think he completely works here. Absolutely. I think he does a great job. Uh, his... Uh acting capacity i think we maybe we said on this show that like they do a good job of giving him bits that works great for him like uh so uh, and they do in this episode as well i mean he spends a lot of it being being very aj uh (laughs) but like in a great way and it all builds to something uh as opposed to i mean he's not chasing a fly anymore we gotta give him that he caught the fly (laughs) Uh, I assume, like, in the gap between <laughs> season uh, five and six. Uh, so now he has a personality. Um, no, but I, I, I'm, I jest. But it, it, he he's very central to the episode, which also makes sense if you think about the balancing of the two storylines, of one being about death, one being about this young man taking over the role of his father, even hilariously, like, loading up his plate with food, like, he can't eat, and then he, he's, like, talking about how much he eats because he's yeah. Tony, and, and the way he can't say that dad is going to be okay he's got to say tony soprano will not die from a gunshot or whatever lots of psychology in this show which is great that felt so real um yeah and i don't want to bring things down but my mother passed away like a year ago and um it was very similar to that it wasn't so much the name but like when i had to call my brother when it happened like i couldn't like speak i couldn't like say what happened uh so i mean not to get too real but like uh, I, I thought that was a really good detail. And I think I was reading that, um, this, this storyline here, uh, was kind of inspired by, um, shoot, who was that director that passed away, uh, between season five and season six? Right. Um, shit, I'm spacing. Cause he was one of the main. He was basically one of the main uh, names for Sopranos. Let me just Google yeah. real quick. Uh, and he, like, I think there was a moment where he was in the hospital and he he had that same line of, like, who am I? And, I mean, that must have just, like, hit, like, a, uh, a real, you know, thing for everyone. And they kind of, like, it kind of, oh, John Patterson, I believe. 
Yeah. Uh, I may have that wrong. I'm almost positive because I was reading it in the Soprano He's... sessions. They were kind of relating it to that. Right. Well, yeah, John Patterson's definitely the one who passed away anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was looking it up at the same time there, which <laughs> beat me to it. Um, yeah, so he, he did all the season finales. That is th- that one of like, yeah, who am I in that? Also, a lot of real... A lot of real shit in this episode. (laughs) And then there's some fantasy shit about heaven and hell as well. And Um, I I love the the contrast, like the way the hospital scenes are like lit and shot. I mean, it's very sterile like a hospital should be, but it just kind of had that like different flair, that different feel to it. uh, When it kind of we cut into that. Like, I mean, when we first cut in, it's Tony's on the hospital bed, you know, freaking out, pulling out his tubes and stuff. And the family's there. Uh, But... I, I just thought that you could feel like the difference, obviously, and then even like um, Edie Falco as Carmela, like she's she looks re- like I mean she kills in this episode as well. Like speaking yeah. of actors, and and like you know you can kind of tell there's no makeup, and she looks like she's been up for days, and uh, really kind of carries those like family moments. Uh, I mean, especially that the whole Tom Petty thing, like where it's like a monologue to the song, and like it builds with the song. It's like a lot of genius stuff going on. Yeah, well, that that part is uh, fantastic. Carmilla looks a bit like a different person um, and kills it in the episode just in general, like you said, especially that um, especially that bit. Uh, you were saying earlier that you get, it came to think of like, oh, what's that song The when he says that? Uh, I thought of when Janice comes in and starts crying, I thought of, Sakai Blur, where is me mama? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, it kind of made me go, yeah, Tony's, you know, let's, let's not forget. Let's not forget what a dick Tony is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. <laughs> uh, we should call out that even though Kevin Finnerty does, um, make out with a woman, he does not go through with it. Like much mm-hmm. like Tony Soprano would do. And I love the little bit of like the, the wife kind of sounding like Carmilla, but it's clearly not. But it's yeah. like tone. What are you doing? And then the kids are a little different. Uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff. And yeah, I think she's uh, the one who says uh, the woman he almost picks up says like, "Oh, you like? I know you're not going to do this because you're like a good man or whatever." So <laughs> uh, another contrast with Tony Soprano. And also we got it. But, but hey, this Kevin. <laughs> excuse me. This guy who's uh id he pulls uh might not be a great guy either because apparently yes. he shits sh- sells shitty uh heating systems to <laughs> buddhist monks um which is uh i don't know how does that fit into the whole heaven and hell paradigm <laughs> yeah because i mean this, he, he does yeah. get slapped by a monk uh <laughs> and i love when he's like trying to like he's trying to report it or he's trying to like trying to tell his wife about it and it's like what slapped by a monk uh yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't bode well for the spiritual side if a monk's mad at you, even if it's the fake you. Yeah, it is a, it is a real. Um, this is what I mean that it feels like a weird, like Hotel California trapped in a bizarre situation um, film that could just be this, and it could be more about the monks and <laughs> and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, the absurdity of like, I can't like file a, a report with the police i'm here i'm i'm frauding my way here because i had nothing else to do and it's just a situation upon situation building uh, into something totally absurd there um 
But yeah, so what else do we have going on in the real life storyline? Everyone is in the mob family is, of course, sort of trying to figure out what to do, making slight moves just in case. Uh, it's Vito, right? The guy who last episode was talking about, like, heaven forbid. Oh, yeah. what if something happened to Tony? And then he gets shot immediately afterwards. So he's he's sort of trying to pounce or muscle his way up or buy a cool cd player that uh an idea that christopher promptly steals all that stuff <laughs> yeah yeah everyone because there's that like everyone's definitely concerned but there is that thought like you can kind of feel it amongst them of like either i'm gonna get in good with tony if he comes out of this or maybe this is good for me if he doesn't come out of it uh, you know, I guess we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, and then, oh yeah, we have like this, well, there's a quick scene before we, before we get back into the real world, he does fall down the stairs and I guess that's, you know, sets up when he, in his coma thing, when he goes and right. finds out some stuff about his brain. But I guess, I don't know, falling, going down, the elevator isn't working. Is he going to hell? Who knows? Uh, we do, yeah. th- then we have like uh, back in the real world. We have the doctor that comes in and he's like casually speaking about brain damage. Like, oh, in the event he survives, who knows like what his brain could be. Uh, and I like how they have this thing where like Meadow kind of steps up and is asking questions. Carmela's doing the thing I feel like I would do because I don't know if it's because of movies or TV. You have yeah. this reverence and it's almost like a weird form of bargaining where you're like, oh, I'm going to be nice and listen because I don't want to make the doctor mad because then he'll kill my husband or something. You know what I mean? Uh, But, you know, I like this little like push and pull they have and she's trying to make excuses for like, oh, she, you know, she, she did some internship or she took a class. So she thinks she knows, but Meadow is doing the smart thing, asking the right questions, making sure that they're uh, you know, looking into the pr- correct details and not just getting like brushed under the rug or lost in the shuffle. Yeah, having grown up with a couple of people who became doctors, I feel I'm more on the meadow side of thing. Except <laughs> I wouldn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so, like, because I've seen what these doctors do in their free time. So, and and they keep telling me about like Jacob. We have like no idea what we're doing. Like people like trust us and like they think we have like god powers or something. We're just like dudes. We're just like these dudes. <laughs> well, I have to imagine like, you know, I fix computers and stuff. So sometimes someone's like, "Hey, this is going on." And you're like, "Shit, I don't know why that's happening." <laughs> yeah. Uh maybe it could be this. Uh I guess it could be this. Well, let's look into this and it's fucking trial and error, I'm sure. It's like, hey, Doc, you know, how come when I move my uh, elbow like this, it makes a little noise? Um, Hmm, uh, that must be this. And then you just run away. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Can't run away from uh, a dying guy, though. So they got to work on him. Um, So... Let's see. I was thinking of yeah. So, so the the talk I referenced with the our, our mob friends. It's interestingly at Eugene's funeral. Like oh, they yes. they always seem to have these clandestine meetings at various funerals because people just keep dying. Weird. Um, but so Eugene's dead. No one's talking about that. They're all talking. Well, they are. They're like come because they haven't figured out the real reasons, which is sad in a way. Um, saying like oh it must be something with his kids or whatever um but anyway we're here and um silvio's sort of holding down the fort saying like all right everything comes to me and we're gonna just hold it for him till he's back and so outwardly everyone's yeah yeah of course when tony's back but then it's like 
oh, but that thing that Junior had, that should go to me now. And then, like, uh-huh. this talk starts of, like, you're thinking about this, so you should be thinking about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I didn't even think of that because it's, like, it's not just Tony out of commission, but Junior's out of commission as well. And then, I mean, to a certain extent, Eugene, although he's kind of lower on the ladder, but... You know, there's a lot of this money here and it's like, who's going to broach the subject first or what's the most polite way to bring up? Yeah. Like, what about Junior's thing? Because, you know, he's persona non grata now. Uh, And we do kind of do see a quick scene with him where they're kind of like testing him. And, you know, it's 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 really like his trajectory has been so depressing, you know, for a while. And now we're even at this point where he doesn't even like I think he mentions that they he he doesn't know who his lawyer is. He they they mentioned that his other lawyer was there, but he like fired him because again, he's kind of out of his mind and I guess maybe it even ties into what he was saying before that how he had a stroke and they were trying to use that to his advantage. Yeah. Uh, and you know, but cuz now he doesn't have there's not going to be anyone coming to see Junior and maybe give him guidance or help. He's like literally on his own. Yeah, good luck with that, Junior. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's he did shoot Tony. What a <laughs> so annoying, but he's sick. Ah, but he was always annoying. Um, <laughs> so we AJ, despite his uh, turnaround later, really annoying thing he does to go and like have a smoke and a chat with a reporter outside. Ugh, like, yeah, yeah, it's been kind of weird. And oh, I'm just this cool guy, and this girl's sort of flirting with him to get him talking, and then. I don't think this is what happens, but like the reporter is, or sorry, the cameraman is casually standing there and the camera is pointing at AJ, so could be filming that. I I, I don't think we're supposed to read that, but either way, it's bad. As mm-hmm. soon as Carmela comes out, they start chasing after him and, you know, the, the security person has to stop them from entering and, and like... AJ's like, we were just talking. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? That's like, how stupid are you? And he, he didn't bring the CDs. And but he's gone through so much, Jacob. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, and I, they make he's way more hateable now with his like Prince Valiant haircut or whatever the fuck it is that he has. Yes. Like, I hate his hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so true. And I mean, obviously, like as we see through this episode, these these are coping things. But he is a selfish person. I mean, much like his dad. Uh, yeah. and I, I could see that these are just things he's trying to distract himself and, oh, Hey, a cute reporter wants to talk to me. Like, that's cool. I'll focus on that. Um, and yeah, Carmela has to try to reel it in. Like she's not already dealing with enough, uh, enough shit on her plate at the moment. And yeah, I mean, there's a quick scene too, right before that, uh, where we see it's just kind of like a silent scene of Christopher sitting with Tony. Uh, which, you know, I think it's just a nice moment because we know the history here, whether it be him and Tony B picking on him or just Chris in general looking up to his Uncle Tony and ready to go to hell for him. Uh, it's just a nice moment. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and... of course, AJ forgot the CDs, and now we have the boombox that Chris sent because he stole the idea <laughs> from, from Vito. Uh, and I believe this is – is this where she plays the song or is that actually coming up after? Yeah. Yeah, it's here. She does her... This is like... No, wait. Maybe that is Yeah, later. it's maybe not yet. I... There's a couple scenes in between because then we have Chris right. at Satriali's talking to Agent Harris. Uh, and I, Chris has a line like, 
Uh, I think I saw blah, 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 steal a truck of towels, which I assume he's like referencing towel, like a towel head. Like I know that's very derogatory uh, word for Arab people, but I believe that's the connection he's making, but he's being like his serious Chris self where he thinks that's good information. (laughs) Yeah, I also did read it that way. (laughs) So yeah, because they're there talking about like, oh, we're trying to deal with terrorism now and like, you should help us out with this. And they're like, and he does, I mean, he, he correctly says like, don't get Tony started on that shit. Cause like, as soon as he does, we got to kill his cousin or whatever. Oh, oops. Did I say that? Uh, but yeah, it is kind of funny that, I mean, it, it, he, I think uh, Christopher almost has a point when he's like, do you like miss dealing with good old fashioned American assholes like me? Like, do you miss like good old fashioned crime? Like, cause they at least are in it for self-interest and are not, like, murdering thousands of people. So, you know, they're, they're certainly an annoyance, but they're not, they're not, we're, we're not that bad. Let's, let's have some gabagool. Yeah, it is like, you know, do they have these fond memories? Of, oh, remember when we just had to deal with, you know, getting Adriana killed or, <laughs> or Big Pussy killed or whoever else we got killed? You know, now we have to deal with terrorism and, like, uh, you know, 9-11 attacks and such. Yeah. We did have that one guy. We didn't get him killed. He did die in the car, but it wasn't our fault that time. That's true. Mm. Yeah, Raymond. Weird. They all die. Weird. (laughs) Um, So then we get the big scene with Carmilla and American Girl, right? Yes. Um, So this one, watching this scene, I'm like, so... What awards did she win for this? Like, because like, she should have won a lot of them. Uh, yeah. It's a great scene. She brings up stuff from ages ago at the pilot, I think, when she says that he's going to hell. Um, and uh, such a great, such a great uh, monologue she holds here. It's you know, all great shows know how to mine the you know the real past of the show, like stuff you've seen. Yeah. Not just, you know, a lot of shows you can always build backstory and stuff we didn't see. But, you know, it's not like when they wrote the pilot, they knew that that was such a pivotal thing because it also came up in the, uh, I believe, Whitecaps episode when they're when they're having their all-out fight. And it yeah. comes up again here, and she's apologizing. And it, it does feel like it's almost like these different grief stages because she's like just kind of going through the nostalgia, remembering good times, then she's apologizing. And then it even comes up to like at the end, she's bringing up, you know, how like hot she made him and, you know, like all these things, like I guess to try to bring Tony out, like what, you know, what, what what's he going to respond to? Um, and yeah, it just feels like it's really, it, it's, like American Girl is a great song and it's like this perfect back to it uh, because it feels like it's going with the song uh, and she's just killing it, murdering it, murdering Tony, if you will. Yeah. I, I I don't, uh, I didn't think of it, but the stages of grief is a good parallel because it, you know, she works her way into it's almost starting with denial talking about, remember when we went with, uh, uh, Artie and, and Charmaine, is that her name? Yes. Yep. Uh, to the beach, and she got cramps from eating that huge calzone, and like she could never swim. And then almost going into like bargaining, saying, like, You get me so hot down there, and come back, and, and like, uh, saying you're gonna be fine. And 
and then like almost heading into like if if he were to die she's saying the things that she would have wished she said before like i'm really sorry about this thing and i'm sorry about <sighs> where we are and saying you're a good father and yeah yeah and, and it's it's great yeah. because like those things are true in in a lot of ways and and i don't i believe that she believes it but it also doesn't really erase the all the bad stuff they've had but it it really lays out their relationship and i'm sure everyone's had this in their life whether it be a family member friend uh, like a more intimate loved one of like no matter what happens there's still that there's still that real bond and that real connection. And especially when things get real like this, that's when it all comes out. And some of the big things that are still big things don't seem as big anymore. Yeah. Like, like cheating so. and constantly, you know, <laughs> treating her like shit, etc. <laughs> yeah. So we cut from that to him being waking up in a different hospital with a different doctor who's like, oh, yeah, you were lucky. Uh, we, we scanned your brain, you know, and he keeps calling him, you know, by the name that he doesn't have affinity. And he's like, no, that's not me. Like, does, he never says what his real name is, right? Yeah. Or am well, I, yeah. He doesn't because he even just says at one point when they he asks him, he's like, you know, what does it matter? I'm not going to even remember soon or something like that. Uh, and it, it is kind of a nice touch because she's talking about when he got an MRI and she said he was going to hell. And I guess essentially he was getting an MRI in his, you know, dream slash coma slash really in purgatory. That's up to you to decide. I think uh, I think the phone when he rings home says like, welcome to the Soprano household or whatever. Um, so we'll presume he's still a version of Tony. Yes, I guess. Oh, I thought nice you meant to... I thought you meant to the doctor. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because he doesn't tell the doctor his name. But yeah, he's definitely Tony Soprano uh, in right. the in this reality. And he finds out that he has uh, signs of getting Alzheimer's. And, you know, it's not definitive or nothing, but, uh, you know, talk to your doctors when you get back home. You probably have Alzheimer's <laughs> or, uh, or you're gonna. So, yeah, that's what causes him to start thinking about, like, I'm not going to know myself soon enough. It's an interesting choice to have him, yeah, in the hospital there and then in the hospital in real life as well. Well, and it ties into, I mean, one of the, one of the lines I remember from Tony is when he's talking about AJ, when he finds out that AJ also has panic attacks uh he calls it like these this putrid soprano gene and i mean i guess you can relate that to because basically junior's kind of going through like dementia or alzheimer's i mean his dad didn't live long enough to really see if that that manifested and to a lesser extent not that this is connected but i i could see someone like tony thinking it's connected when they'd mentioned like the eckerly brother that that was kind of he had Down syndrome or something like that, and they had to, like, give him away. So, you know, yeah. Tony would see those things, and maybe that's manifesting its way into his psyche here on how he's, you know, doomed, basically. Yeah. Um, so we're back in real life. Uh, AJ's loading up his plates, and uh, there's a scene with him and Meadow afterwards where she's in bed, and he... He comes in talking about like hybrid cars, giving her shit, all this <laughs> stuff. But 
it, it does get real though. They have like a real moment of connection there, and this is when he first calls Junior a fucking mummy as well. Yeah, because what is he just ties it to when he was a kid or something? I'm trying to remember exactly where the mummy came from. It was just because he just looks like a mummy, I guess. Yeah, like we. I think so. I don't have it exactly, and, but he was always a fucking mummy. I forgot to cut it, but AJ in this line, uh, AJ in this scene, when they're talking about the hybrid cars, he does have a... Um, uh, oh, poor you. He does have a poor you. I didn't cut it, but I have the other ones here from oh, the... Poor you. Oh, poor you. <laughs> so I need to pull that one so we can add another poor you to the to the mix. Is that a bingo? I think we have a bingo. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah. So, so they say they say a lot of interesting stuff here. Like, don't you find this like embarrassing? So, like, I, I, which you know you wouldn't think of watching the show, but then it's like you're living your life and like your weirdo uncle shot your dad. Because they're all fucking mob weirdos, yep. and it wasn't. He, it, maybe if it was a mob hit, that would be embarrassing as well. But it's really because he's old and demented. It's like, and if Tony went out this way, I mean, it would be an imp- embarrassed. It's it's true. Even in the mob world, it would be an embarrassing way to go to have your uncle just go, uh, you know, crazy and shoot you. Much like I think the Sopranos would love to do. Like, and he met like the weirdest end possible. Like, <laughs> shoot the horse, you know, like because the horse kicked him to death. That uh, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and especially because it's like clear, uh, you know, in their personal lives with their friends, everyone knows what their family is, but I'm sure everyone kind of doesn't acknowledge it or talks around it. So, yeah, this is just another reminder of who they are. And then even if it is the truth or it did, people did explain it as like, well, you know, it's a sad story. My uncle has dementia and that's why he shot my dad. But everyone would be like, oh, yeah, I know. And they'd be like winking like, yeah, he has dementia. I know (laughs) because no one would believe it inside. They just like, oh, this is another one of those stories uh, much like your ex-boyfriend who was shot by black guys in the hood uh, yeah. when everyone kind of knows that that's not what happened. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Adriana, who, of course, just left. Yeah, she uh, just left. Much like uh, Uncle Pussy, he just left, too, uh, as well as uh, <laughs> our aunt's boyfriend, <laughs> uh, Richie. <laughs> he left. <laughs> They're all in witness protection, yeah. and it's weird that they haven't been, been able to build a case with all these witnesses, but there you are. Um, he, uh, I think uh, AJ says, like, why does he Why is he always so nice to him, or something along those lines that he then says later as well, and uh, uh, Meadow says he's always taking that Italian family stuff really serious, and AJ's like, yeah, I got the big lecture. Just funny, because <laughs> we've seen them both get the big lecture, like, go to the church, yes. tell them about who built the church, you yeah. know? <laughs> that's absolutely that's absolutely the same thing I thought of, is the scenes when they're at the church, and he has to be like, your great-grandfather built this church with his bare hands. You know, they didn't know, like, they didn't know math or this or that, but they knew how to build it. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh so the scene ends with him going to the window to shout fuck you to the reporters which you know he hasn't he hasn't turned around all the way he hasn't gone in and 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 sat with the, his father but like that's a that's a contrast to just having a chat with a hot reporter girl you know yeah. tell him to fuck off yeah 
And then we uh, there's a nice scene with uh, Carm and Rosalie Aprile. And, you know, Rosalie's just trying to be straight that, you know, maybe AJ is just a selfish, selfish boy who doesn't give a shit, I believe is the quote. And, you know, Carmelo rightfully gets defensive and kind of goes below the belt bringing up Jackie Jr. Like just because, uh, you know, your son was a certain way doesn't mean mine is. But I like her responses like that's why I'm, you know, telling you this or that's why I'm taking a hard line like. It, it made complete sense. Like I almost thought it was going to be one of those things where because Carmilla hits her so low that it would have, you know, been like Rosalie would have reacted a different way. But no, she understands and is trying to, you know, help her in the way people didn't didn't uh, help Rosalie when she was dealing with little Jackie. Yeah, I like that because it was like, you know, such good jabs back and forth. But like, it's not an argument. It's yeah. like about this horrible thing that has happened to her and might happen to Carmilla as well. And, like, I never saw, like, because at first, he, he, uh, yeah, I mean, I never saw you take a hard line. And like, why do you think I'm doing this? But, yeah, it is below the bell where she's like, oh, I'm sorry, just because uh, your son's not here, don't uh, don't run your psychological projects uh, on, like, my son. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really rough. Yeah. But the fact that she knows, like, that she's not going to take that personal because, like, I know what you're feeling even better than you know it so like so she kind of yeah 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 well, wins the argument basically yeah because <laughs> yeah, especially like not just losing jackie jr but she lost jackie senior as well i mean not to a shooting but you know she was in the hospital with her uh you know, husband with cancer so yeah uh, yeah and uh there's um so but at the end as well carmela says like she mentions the open incision and like even though I'm angry at AJ for not being there, I'm almost like, I don't want him to see that. Like I, I, she wants to protect him still from that, from, from seeing his father that way. Um, so yes. What else do we have? We have the, the police officers coming in to talk to Carmilla about the relationship between Tony and junior. This is where I'm reminded that, yeah, Carmilla hates junior because <laughs> why shouldn't she? And, uh, and Tony was the one who just, much like Melfi describes, just started like going, oh, my mother wasn't that bad. Like I, you know, she, hasn't your mom been bad to you? And like, I, you know, I, I was an annoying kid and maybe it is <laughs> my fault. Cause that's easier than going like my mother didn't love me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so over the years, he's been able to change that. And kind of with the show, we've sort of grown with tony and gone like oh it's fun to have junior around and then this happens and meanwhile carmilla's just there in the background like the kind of person who never started liking cersei or never started liking jamie lannister she's there like what the fuck did i tell you junior's a piece of shit it's basically what she tells these uh, police officers and a hilarious line about like because it took me a moment to parse it when they're like, uh, Junior was talking about the Kennedy assassination. And like, because of the mob, first I was like, what are they talking about? And then like, because there's a mob connection, they have to go like, is there anything with that? Yeah. <laughs> My husband was three years old or whatever she says. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's something with Meadow and Finn. I forget exactly what they're talking about. I think it's more what Finn just being wishy-washy like he usually is. Like he's over in his dental school or whatever, and she's just kind of talking to him while Carm's talking to the police. 
the thing is that she says earlier that like Finn's coming over even to have a look after you or whatever, Dad. And then here it's it seems like wait, are you coming over because you want to see me and my dad, or because you are having a hard time in dental school? And he's like, can it be both or whatever? <laughs> so he's like clearly just looking to get on a vacation. And he's put his foot in his mouth again. So yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Then we have. AJ going to see his dad by himself. And it's a great moment because uh, Carm walks up and she sees him kind of talking and he's sitting with his father. And then we get the reveal that what he's still talking about cars or whatever. It's it's like a dumb AJ moment, but it also does make sense because it's just like, you know, something you do in the situation. Try to make things normal. Try to make things not about that your dad might die here. Yeah, and I didn't even read it as like, um a reveal necessarily i mean it is sort of but like it, it wasn't to me like ha he's still talking about this it was just like sweet to me that he's talking about this thing that he's babbling about i think with meadow as well like because they've said talk to tony like keep him engaged it's like talking to a plant at that point basically but um but yeah it's really nice uh moment and it, almost as nice as when he swears to put a bullet in junior's head <laughs> yeah uh, then when we have Chris at the Bing and a couple of Middle Eastern guys are asking about Tony and I guess what Chris is maybe thinking, uh, is he second guessing these guys or is this just laying some, some seeds here? I felt like this, I mean, it's felt like, uh, not like heavy handed thing to do, but like having this scene and then also having the previous scene, it's like. Don't worry, we're going to build something here. Like, yeah. it doesn't do it. This scene doesn't do anything except introduce these two characters all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, at the same time that we're introduced to this uh, information that's going into Christopher's brain, and we know what Christopher's like. So it's like this scene does nothing, but I'm sure it will be something later on. Yeah, then we have, yeah, then we cut back to uh, AJ, and that's where we have the clip from the open where. You know, he's going to shoot him in his fucking mummy head, uh, which I, I yeah, like we've, we've been talking about. It. I think he does he he does some heavy lifting in this episode. And I think he he delivers, you know, usually AJ does serves a little bit of a different role. Uh, but I think uh, it works here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good scene. And he gives everyone updates on what's going on. And then he goes outside. Carmilla's there. She's really proud, and this means so much. And he thinks, oh, this is a good time to mention that I flunked out of school. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I'm never going to have this much goodwill. <laughs> like, they, she can't get mad at me right now. Um, and uh, and she's, like, with your father in the hospital. And he's, like, I didn't tell him. Like, <laughs> I'm not stressing him out about it. Just chatting about cars. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a very funny sort of return to form for AJ, sort of. And then, I mean, that's basically the end. We go back into his mind there and we see him in the hotel room basically square one again with the the lighthouse still still shining there outside the window yeah and the the with your father in the hospital line it's like classic sopranos like when he was smoking weed at his confirmation and yeah. i think that was what tony was saying like at your confirmation you know <laughs> uh but yeah yeah as you said then we kind of cut back to you know tony as kevin finnerty and, uh, yeah, well, he does refute, like, he goes to call, I guess, to give his wife 
the news that he just got that you know he he's showing signs of potentially Alzheimer's, uh, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do it. And then yeah, we see the the beacon in the distance yet again. Uh, and then there you go. So I mean, wh- where do you think we go from here? Are we are, are we still going to be with Kevin Finnerty? Uh, no, I, I despite the fact that they do a great job here of uh, doing something other than just uh, a hero brushing it off his shoulder and getting back up and beating the bad guy. Uh, I still, I mean, I did sort of think it would end with him opening his eyes. This is the better ending. Um, but even with them defying conventions and everything, I still expect to see Tony back at it again relatively quickly. And I don't know if that's uh, maybe maybe not immediately. Maybe we get... May, it would be interesting to see what happens with the Soprano family if he's not in there immediately. But I think he's... I just assume he's going to wake up at the start of the next episode, honestly. But uh, um, I'd be interested to see if I'm wrong. Absolutely. Uh so yeah, yeah, great episode. I think uh, I think a lot of people think of it as one of the be- one of the better ones. And yeah, this season's really off to the races already. We're two episodes in. Uh, yeah. Tony's living a whole nother life in his head while shit's hitting the fan in the real world. So we'll have to see where we're going because we're just getting started. Yeah, I definitely felt like this was a, a a sort of a standout episode. I mean, last week's was as well. So great start for this season, season six of The Sopranos. What did you think? Was this your favorite episode? Let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also send an email to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com uh, to share your thoughts on this uh, part A of the final season or whatever, and we'll include them in our discussion. Once again, that's shows what you know show at gmail.com. You can also go to shows what you know.com just for uh, all your podcast needs. We're talking about uh, The Handmaid's Tale, we're talking about Stranger Things, we're talking about Westworld in five years when that show comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, all sorts of good stuff on there Game of Thrones, David Nutter. You know, your faves, it's all on there at showswhatyouknow.com. Yes, yes, and you can also find more of Jacob at awesomepedia.org and more of me at jimandthem.com, but there's the most important thing here. What's that? Cut to black. <laughs>